You're listening to Were You Still Talking? We'll start talking, have a conversation. Yeah. Perfect. All right, welcome back. After a quick technical glitch, I'm back. This is Joel Albrecht, and in my studio today, I have Calvin Corelli. Calvin is a future special advisor to the President of the United States on conscious nation building, something we've needed for a long time. He came from a life of being bullied, a string of broken relationships, excessive drinking, poor eating habits. In short, he was feeling like a failure as a husband, a father, an entrepreneur, an overall human being. I think some of us have also been there despite all this. He's managed to create a life where every aspect is working. He's built a multi-million dollar software company called Simplero. I'll make sure I got that right in a minute with a team and a customer base that will go through fire for him and his mission. Calvin, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me. Super excited to, to do this. Great. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. One of the main reasons was that first first little blurb that I read. Uh, your future advisor, um, future advisor, the president on conscious nation building. I think you're probably too young to remember um, a presidential candidate that uh, talked about the creating a peace department. Mm. It was very controversial at one time. Um, Who was that? Was that? He was a third-party candidate. He's the closest third-party candidate to ever um, that anyone ever got. He was then blamed for the Democrats losing. His name is Ralph Nader. Have you heard oh, right, of Ralph yeah. Nader? Yeah. yeah so I've when he of, ran, yeah. one of his one of his um, not really promises, but one of his ideas was to create a peace department, which is uh, on the same idea. Um, you know, actually create a department for for peace. Uh, uh, you know. Having a conscious advisor would also be a really good thing for a president, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Awesome. I very much agree. <laughs> so where did you where did you come up with that? I mean, what what inspired? Where well, did that imp- inspiration exactly. come from? I know. I'll tell you exactly where because I um, it was in 2013. It was on my birthday. I was living in India with my wife. Mm-hmm. And and she had organized this walk around this lake. We were in South Mysore, uh, or like in Mysore, more Mysore in South India. And there's this lake that we'd go to, and she had these questions for me. And and it was like a variety of like big life questions. I don't actually remember any of them, but I remember the answer because that sentence came out of my mouth fully formed. I want to be a special advisor. So the president of the United States on conscious nation building. And then I was like, it was like I was hit by something. I had tears in my eyes for like 20 minutes after that, just like tears of awe. And it just stuck with me ever since. And it was like, it was not something I had ever thought before. And it wasn't something I'd considered. I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know, it was like right. a of words that I'd never consciously put together. Um, and then, so I've sort of, you know, dug into that later on, like, what, what does that mean? Like, what, what, what is it about that? What, what would it mean? And it's like, yeah, I've always, since I was a kid, it's weird. I know I'm a, I'm a strange person, but since I was a kid, I've always had this train of thought going on really with everything in my life, but including government and policy. Like if this was my country, how would I design it? 
how do I design the institutions, the laws? Like I'm the kind of person that boards an airplane and I've like, I'm constantly coming up with new ways to do it better, right? To do the boarding process oh, better or like, yeah. you know, all of that, but anything I'll just like come in and try to make it better. And so similarly with, with government and governance and institutions and laws and regulations and all that stuff. And so at that point, I want some point I realized creating my own country is kind of impractical. <laughs> well, I don't know these days. Where are you going to put it? How are you going to convince all the people that you love to come move there with you? And it was just a, like, right, you know, right. such a logistical nightmare. So when I moved to the U.S., I'm from Denmark originally. Oh, okay. And so when I moved over here again, I was like, maybe like this country that I love so much, maybe I can help um, do something here. And the idea is basically like, let's rethink this from the ground up. Like, what do we want it to do, right? What do we want the outcome to be? That's the thing that fascinates me in politics is that we're, we're arguing for or against specific interventions, right? Like, I want single-payer healthcare. No, I want like some other kind of healthcare, right? Or like, so, we, so we argue about the specifics instead of talking about what is it we want? Oh, we want people to be healthy. Great. How do we make people healthy? Right? Like, you know, that's how you make stuff happen. And you talk, you talk about what you want to have happen and then you figure out ways to get there. It's not what we do in politics. It's kind of dumb. It is. It's ridiculous. I think that's, um, unfortunately, I think that's a big um, part of um, downside of, a, you know, what's happened in our culture now with news cycle and things like that. I mean, it's going, been going on for a while, but even... Uh, I'm a, a bit older than you. When I first started watching Democratic, uh, Democratic debates, political debates, <laughs> they would talk about uh, issues, you know, for their five minutes. They would, they would not, they would not go, yeah, well, I'm, I appreciate you asked me that question, but I'm going to talk about dog food. You know, they, they, it wasn't like that. It was, it was, they would literally talk about an issue. Whereas today, there doesn't seem to be, and I've heard. You know, candidates. I've heard news anchors. I've, you know, I've, I've heard all kinds of people say that you, you can't do that because no one, everyone's so used to listen to a soundbite. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, to it's your interesting, right? Because then we also have YouTube that has demonstrably proved that people will sit and listen to and watch like one hour, two hour long conversations. Like Joe Rogan is the is the most popular podcast and and video show in the country, right? And there, right. he does like these like three hours, three hour marathon sessions. So people absolutely have the attention span for that. What I think is happening is that, that the, the, the media, the people in power, right? The media, big corporations, politicians, like that have been bought by, you know, uh, corporations and billionaires and whatnot. They're the ones that want to keep us fired up and, and pitted against each other. Because what I've realized, so I, I, I've always considered myself a Democrat um, without really being paying too much attention. And then a couple of years ago, I started studying a lot more and I realized all those policies don't actually work. <laughs> and so I drifted more and more conservative um, in terms of policies, just based on data, based on what, what actually works. But the point is that, that regardless of whether you are on the left as you when i consider myself a democrat i wouldn't consider myself a republican now because i think both of the parties are, are fundamentally corrupt but but whether i consider it myself more on the left side or on the right side the outcomes i wanted were the same right 
And I think that's the case for the vast majority of regular people in the country. We all want the same things. We want people to be happy and healthy and safe and prosperous. We want the economy to be, to be thriving. We want planet Earth to be healthy, right? We all want those things. But because the media and these powerful interests wants to keep us fighting each other so that we don't notice that they're robbing us blind, we've, we fall into that trap. We end up fighting each other over interventions instead of being like, hey, what does we want? We want people to be healthy. All right, let's figure it out. How do we make it people healthy, right? Let's solve this. We can, we can do this. Like, we can. And these things are not complicated. They're really not. But I think what happens is that politicians, their job is to get elected, right? Their job is not to govern. They're not elected. Like, they're not selected based on their ability to govern. They're based, selected based on their ability to get elected. And so their interest is not in actually solving anything. Their interest is in doing stuff that sounds good. And if you look at that, it's like the vast majority of interventions have the exact opposite effect from what they're supposed to do. I live in New York City. We have tons of housing regulation. Supposedly, that should make the housing situation better in the city. It's not, right? It's terrible. It's expensive. It's inflexible. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's a shit show. Everybody agrees on that. And so, um, and then what do the politicians do? They're like, oh, we need more housing regulations. So that's kind of the loop that we're on. Let's intervene. Oh, it got worse. Let's intervene some more. Oh, you need to elect us again so we can in intervene even more, right? And so what we need to realize as people is that we have the freaking power, right? If we don't need them to tell us what to do, we can get together and figure out how to solve these problems ourselves. So we, yeah. They still need us to vote for them, right? Well, so that's, I have a lot of problems with the, some of what you just said. I mean, I, yeah, to I totally agree <laughs> um, that the real problem on both sides is corruption. I mean, I'd still believe in the values on the Democratic side. And I sure. used to think um, before, before the last four years happened, and especially the last six months, I used to think I was far left. Mm. I don't really think that anymore <laughs> because there are <laughs> right. people way, be, way right. beyond what, what I think is reasonable. But we in Oregon have a couple of amazing senators. Like they've mm -hmm. been doing it a long time. They're Democrats. Right. They're doing, they do an amazing job. And, um, you know, I was recently on a call, not direct call, but I was on a call with our senator and he made a lot of sense about, uh, and I've known this for years, um, although regulation is uh, always a tricky situation, now it's often about corruption. There are lots of regulations that make it so we, like literally the people in Eugene, can have safe water. When those regulations yeah. have been lifted, Good. we had bad water. I mean, this, right. this uh, has happened great. over the years. So Absolutely. that's where the two sides are like, oh, they're all the same. It's like, mm, I, I, have a little, I have a little issue with that. They're not all the same. The fact that, yes, no. they, they are these days because of um, how we've set up our government, they do spend more time campaigning, which is why I think, you know, this conscious politics to me comes from well, taking the money out. Uh, that's step one, is hmm. get the money out of politics. You're going to, that would make uh, a, a major, major change. Because, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I kind of agree. I, 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 I just don't see uh, a clear path to that 
happening. I mean, I think it is a huge problem that 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 Larry Lessig. I don't know if you're familiar familiar with him. Um, he's someone that he's a law professor. He's someone that I've been following for years because I'm a I'm a geek. I'm a techie. And so in the beginning, mm-hmm. he was writing about, you know, tech law and IP law and that kind of stuff. And then he morphed into talking about government and specifically sort of legalized corruption in government and how, you know, politicians need to spend half their time or more fundraising. Right. 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 To That's- run campaigns. And for that reason, well, they end up beholden to, to, you know, whoever is donating money to them. It's just human nature, even if there are no, you know, formal obligations, it's just how it's going to work. Interestingly, he actually ran for president in the last election for the Democrats. I don't know if you knew this, but he was, the Democratic Party changed the rules for the primary debates on him. And so they pulled some dirty tricks to keep him off the stage in during the primary debates in in the um, in last election. So um, he didn't he didn't get anywhere anywhere. But the questions and I, so I agree it would be great to get the money out of it. But with citizens, is it Citizens United that that like super uh, that that Supreme Court ruling that says you yes. know, super PACs and all that stuff, right? Yeah, that um, was that was one of the worst rulings. In our I don't know recent how practical, history. yeah, but I don't yeah. know how practical it is. Like, how, how would you accomplish that? I guess, like, um, so there's that ruling, and I guess you could do in Denmark. People co- parties get government funding to campaign with, and that's the money mm-hmm. that you have, right? Yeah, which is, it seems like it's an old, fraud. old, I, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's a good model. Right. I also feel like. America is, I think one of the things that make, make, it makes a difference, Denmark is a tiny country of 5 million people, maybe six by this time, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody mm-hmm. outside of Denmark really gives a crap. Like nobody gives a crap about Denmark and what happens. Whereas in the US, there's like massive geopolitical interest here, right? Like the Chinese are, are heavily involved in this election. Supposedly the Russians are, are meddling again, right? And so this becomes a much bigger, bigger, bigger play. And there's a lot of people that are very interested in finding ways to influence things. Like even look at what Bloomberg is doing in Florida, bailing out like criminals so that they can, can, uh, can vote or like, what is he's paying off people's debt so they can vote and that kind of stuff. Right. That's another way that money enters politics. So I, I feel like it's hard. I, I, it's hard for me to see a path realistically practically to get money out of policy the same similar with with like guns right i i grew up in a country where nobody has a gun i'd never like seen one in in person other than like you know a cops that had guns and they used to have these like tiny tiny sidearms um but in the u.s like what are you gonna do right the cat's out of the bag their guns are everywhere um so i just don't see a path there either uh, just practically speaking whether you want or not uh i can't i uh, can't disagree with any of that i'm kind of bummed because i had you on here so you could you know explain to america how we're going to get money out of politics getting guns off the street now <laughs> that's, that's a little a little depressing because i've never kind of um i've never done that comparison between the money and, and guns because that is a very fair and realistic comparison that yeah. you know it, the, in my guy they're both big problems um the problem is 
as much psychological with guns as it is political. I mean, you've got this strange idea in America that a gun's going to protect you, which, you know, as reasonable people know, that's usually not what happens. It, it's very unlikely that a gun protects you uh, from danger. Yeah, but I mean, it, and, but, uh, but it, it's also it this does romance. Things, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, so I've, I've, to me, it was like you know mysterious. But I've, I've met people, and I've been out in the desert and shooting guns now, and and tried mm -hmm. that, and like talked to people that that love guns and that like own plenty of them, and some of like those people are the safest people in the world to own guns. I'm totally comfortable with them with them having guns, right? Um, and I think there is something like the Swiss. They have, you know, guns, everybody, like, they, they have an army where everybody has to serve and you're giving a mil given a military weapon and you keep that with you at home for the rest of your life, basically. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm butchering this, but roughly speaking, right? And what that means is that who, who's going to invade Swiss, Switzerland, right? Nobody's going to invade Switzerland because, like, it, or at least, like, in, in olden days, right? Like, in practical terms, like, everybody hasn't gone in their house, right? So it's widely distributed. And I think there is something to that in terms of, of you know, when when dictators want to take over, the first thing that they do is they take away the guns from the people so they can't protect themselves, right? So I think there is I think there's value to that, honestly. Well, that's um, an interesting obviously downsides too. Uh huh. Clearly, I think that's an interesting thing you're saying because that right now I'm seeing a dictator trying to take over the country, and mm -hmm. he's not wanting to take away anybody's guns. So no. that argument to me goes right out the window. In, in, in right. the in the reality that we're living through right now, and um, yeah, I don't, so, I'm so I'm oh, I'm kind of yeah I'm kind of open <laughs> on the on the argument of um, uh, gun laws. I mean, taking no yeah. one has ever said they wanted to take guns away from anyone. That has never happened. It's more about I heard, I heard no 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 I heard um, what's his face face Beto say that exact things when. When he, as he endorsed Biden, or like he said, he wanted Biden. to take guns away from people. I, I are you sure? About sure I heard that? him say that. You don't I'm think he sure wanted to limit the type of guns that could be sold and the type of ammo? Because there's a big I'm difference between sure those two he, things. No, I'm pretty sure he. That was exactly that was exactly what he said. Okay. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> I've I've not heard that before. Now it doesn't mean I don't believe that Beto might have said that. Um, yeah. Obviously, we see how far he and got. And I think it was the same but, in the same. Um, uh, like situation he was standing next to biden it was back when it was at it was like early march before coronavirus really hit right and biden mm -hmm. sealed the primary uh nomination and then he was like saying to beto that he was going to make beto in charge of of you know gun control if he was elected president so it was um yeah it was pretty clear as i recall it i'd have to go back and find that clip again. yeah okay because i've not yeah. I think people are very confused about gun control and taking guns away because those right. are two different, like there's never been a law proposed in, a, in right. America for taking people's guns away. There have been no, buyback no, programs. But, but there's been, but I've, there's been there's plenty a of people who've said that that's what they want to do and that's the end game. And so I mm -hmm. think people people on the right are afraid that the, that, that like it's a slippery slope, right? Which is part of the problem is that, that like that the two sides like you know it's hard to get together there's a lack of empathy on both sides right i think yeah like yeah if you're like hey i really under like i really genuinely want to understand what these guns mean to you 
and why you care and what you see as the value. And I would love for you to really understand our pain and our fear and our concerns around these guns. And now let's come together and see what sensible solutions we can come up with. That's a different place, uh, situation, right? But we all know if someone's like, if we think, if I think that you're going to come after me, I'm going to get defensive, right? Right. So, but so I feel like we're failing each other in a big way that way, mm-hmm. not really empathizing and understanding. Like, where where are these people coming from that see the world differently? And that's interesting. And I mean, just to be clear, I am. Uh... I am good friends with what I would call a gun nut. I have been shooting guns since I was a teenager. I don't own any guns for my own personal reasons, but I also enjoy going out to the desert and shooting up things. You know, I've yeah. I've made a car look like the Bonnie and Clyde car. It, it, it isn't. I understand the fascination with guns, but yeah. I have I fall I I come up short when I think, do I really want to shoot someone for coming into my house? Oh yeah, no, you know that's that's where that I now. that's nobody where wants I wants to do that. Right? But I've heard people if, that if say they do. I, but if you I don't, I don't think anybody wants to do that. Yeah. But if uh-huh. but if you don't trust that the police is going to show up in time and you have a family to protect, maybe you're like I I would be willing to do that if that's what I had to do. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know of anyone who would like to do that. People would that I know would hate to do that, but they're willing to do that if that's what it comes to. Right. 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 Um, that's what I I'm... think, especially like with what's been going on like lately, where, where you know, with defunding the police and, and you know, the, there's this one lady, and I know this is not representative, but there's this one governor who was like, you know, well, calling 911 is like white privilege. And I'm like, okay, now. So I, so I can understand if the, like that concern has been heightened, right? And right. again, these like right. left right bubbles. And so, certain you know people on the right are gonna see a message like that amplified it may be just like one crazy governor in one town in the country who actually who said that and then later on was like you know yeah i stepped over the line there but that one clip is going to be you know circulating and and emphasized over and over again oh i can i agree with that 100 percent. i think a big i think there's a big problem with the um uh i'm not going to I don't want to talk too much about the BLM movement because I feel I'm the wrong color. And the <laughs> but I will talk about the message that I think they're getting really wrong and Biden's getting it wrong is that yeah, when you say certain things to people in a steel town in the Midwest and I got this from reading an article, um they're not going to hear it the way that we hear it here on the I5 corridor that that Portland hears it that maybe people in New York hear it. It's it's sure. completely different. We're going to break it down in a different way. I mean, we grew up in I I lived in LA for a long time and that's, you know, one of the more violent towns um in America. And mm-hmm. so um it's. I mean, I'm just saying that we have a totally different perception in in different areas that we are um, that we yeah. live in. And when you talk, exactly. and the whole defund the police, I think the slogan defund the police is so completely misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm for it or against it anyway, but I do understand <laughs> the. <laughs> I do understand the corruption in the police departments. I do understand that the um, the amount of. Um, People of color that are prosecuted and arrested, especially in large cities, is way higher than poor people in general. Uh, poor people, though, across poor people everywhere in the nation, in the U.S., uh, have a much higher chance of being abused by police than you know people of that are doing well. 
it's a much higher chance. So, but it's a tough one. The, this whole defund the police for to just jump on that bandwagon without without people knowing what it means because it really doesn't mean taking all the money away. It, it no. means different things to different departments. Yeah. No, it, I think and, it, like, yeah. as I hear it, it means like takes you know a portion of the money away, like significant enough to talk about, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but and yeah, I mean, I mean that's a whole a whole question. Like you know, what is the situation with policing? The thing that bothers me about it is like why, like if if this. Um, abused by police officers. And I, I didn't I didn't grow up in this country. I'm not black as you may have noticed, right? Wait. So like oh. yeah, really I'm it's I, true. And I uh, can't tell you didn't grow up here either. No. <laughs> right. So I can't I don't know. I haven't experienced it, right? So the, all I can do is like talk to people and and look at data. But if so if this problem is so rampant, why is it that the the things that we riot about are so sketchy. Like if you look at George Floyd, right? Clearly like the guy died. It was two separate autopsies showed that it, he didn't actually die from the knee on his neck. Um, he died basically like uh, from his fentanyl um, overdose. Um, what is it called? Delirium something or other, a, a typical reaction. But also there is zero evidence of any racial motivation behind that, right? None. Right. So why did why if if it's so rampant, why does that case become sort of the thing that sparks this like racial uh, you know upheaval? Um, similarly, with I looked into a, like all of these cases, and I, I I'm terrible with with details, but <laughs> the Zimmerman thing that happened when was that like four four five six years ago something like that? Um, there was is that uh, a new the guy in New York? I think it was like Trayvon Martin Zimmerman. I think it was in Florida. Um, okay, but that one, they they edited the nine one one tape to make it sound like it was racially motivated. And then after they had to come back and re and and apologize for that and say, well, actually not. So that again, there was zero indication that it was racially motivated. It was actually a pretty cl clear, open and shut case of self defense, and yet it sparks riot. So basically, like I looked into all the cases, and I, I'm busy running a company, so I only have so much time, but I did mm -hmm. the research that I could looking into all of these cases, and none of them hold up under scrutiny, unless your claim is that, well, the whole legal process is completely corrupt and everybody's lying about what's that, like the legal system, official autopsies and, 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 and well, but no, even like the nine nine one one recording, that's, you know, it was doctored to make it sound racist when it wasn't, right? So, like, why would you need to do that if things are so terrible? That's the thing that I ask myself, and I have no good answer. You need to um, listen to some more voices, maybe. Maybe, maybe check out some more research. Now, I'm not um, disagreeing with what you're saying, that some oftentimes people don't get the whole story. There's this one going on now that uh it's, it's just so dangerous to get into this but oh well um <laughs> enjoying talking to you so the brianna taylor i believe is her name yeah uh, police shot her boy were shooting at her boyfriend who was shooting at them mm -hmm. and that's another case where now they're they're rioting over this right there's two problems here one none of us know the facts of that case none of us have the information that the grand jury had 
at least right. I, at least I haven't seen it. I, I haven't seen mm -hmm. any of this. But no one waits for that. Um, another thing, right. though, that I have a problem with is you're calling it rioting. I'm from Oregon. Uh, Portland does not. The Portland protests do not start out as riots. There's a lot of protesters. I mean, thousands sure. of people who are peacefully protesting. And then a bunch of other people, who knows where they're from, but a lot of them mm -hmm. are, I mean, they might be just on the street at the time, decide, let's break some shit. Let's burn some shit down. I don't think they, I don't think they have any connection whatsoever to the people who are trying to get a message across. I mean, the, I, I, still, I still think those people have a huge problem with what yeah. message they're no, trying I to agree. get across. You know, I what, think there's, yeah, what I know, is your message? I know. I know lots of people that that were out protesting peacefully in New York when when this thing happened, right? There's still the question is like, what is it exactly? Are you protesting if the pretext is you know is not clear? But right. I have zero problem right. with that. I don't know anyone on the right who have a problem with that. Um, but the the breaking the burning stuff down and the breaking stuff and the and the killing people, uh, murdering people in the street. Um, um, the, the, you know, looting, stealing stuff like that. I think a lot of people have a problem with, I, I have a problem with that. Right. I don't think that's helpful. I don't oh, I have, a, I have a huge <laughs> problem with that. I mean, another interesting thing about that though, is that people are, um, oh, and for one, you were, you were talking about why people took this one case and turned it into a protest. I blame it on COVID nineteen. I blame blame everything think, on, on COVID no, right I, now. I mean, everyone I is like, people, so people are on the stir edge. crazy, right? They are stir uh, crazy. They're all of us. Right. I mean, I have. I'm in a very lucky situation right now, and I go nuts. You know, it's mm -hmm. it starts to get to your brain. I'm mm -hmm. an introvert in some ways, which is strange that I have a podcast, but you know, not the only only a portion of it's video. Most of it's just audio, so no one sees me. Mm -hmm. But I'm introvert, and that a bit of an introvert. So I found in the last six months. It's not a big deal for me to stay inside. I'm in a high high risk group. I'm married to a high of someone that's high risk, so it's just not that big a deal. But I still, even though it's not a big deal, I'm still going nuts. So I can see people have mm -hmm. lost their jobs. Oh, you know, sure. they've lost their ability to move around. They've lost their ability to go to McDonald's, which is a big thing in America. Um, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're like, of course, it's a powder keg. It makes, right. it kind of makes sense that when somebody, and I, I don't really know whose idea it was, but when somebody said, we're going to go protest this, I can see that why it got out of control, right? It, yeah. Like, well, wow. it's, I think it's I think it's super important to distinguish between the people that are out there peacefully protesting things that, you know, may or may not be based in fact, but it is what mm -hmm. they genuinely believe, and that's that's fine. I can we can we can all respect that, right? And I think there are people um, that are out to to cause trouble, and I think that it's really helpful if the people who want to protest but don't want to cause trouble make an effort to separate themselves from the people that want to make make trouble right because it it does um it does kind of blur the lines and i think um yeah like antifa uh yeah. i've heard a term black block being thrown around here we're um, in agreement a thousand percent i think that the people who are wanting to do peaceful protesting which they've now done for like a hundred and some days in oregon 
and in a lot of places, but in Portland, it's they've been straight every day. Um, Eugene has little mini versions of it. I do think they. I mean, there's been protests since I was a wee lad. You know, my 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 parents didn't go to protest, but they were. This has been happening in in America forever. Sure. Um, it you. It seems like it happened in big cities more in the past, but mm-hmm. the uh, um, riots were a different thing. You know, when people. I was in L.A. when there was riots in the '90s. There, it was not about people. It was not about peaceful protesting. This is when someone named Rodney King was. I remember, yeah. he, oh, okay. So I was. I was. Alive. I, I was, wasn't living here, but I was alive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it spilled over to them. That, we heard that was not a, a protest of any kind. That was we're going to burn the place down. And I, I was. I literally watched my city from where I worked start to burn down and get closer and closer and closer. And that. So that's a totally different thing. That's where I have a little problem when people call them. Riots. It's like I've seen a riot. Any nothing yeah. like a peaceful. You know, it's nothing like what mm. we're seeing. It's this was. So you saying the thing that's happening now when they like in in um um, uh, yeah, in Portland and New York and 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 what was it? I've Louisville, Kentucky. Was that where it was in that that's with Beyonce Taylor? Where the more recently? Yeah. Yeah. More yeah. recent. Pro- and when they yeah. Kenosha, where they're burning cars and all that stuff. Is that is that not a riot in your mind? Uh, no, I'm saying that those are right. Like those are rioters that are doing those kind of activities, but they aren't starting right. out that way. The the idea of the protesters is to have a peaceful protest and to get a yeah. point across. I think there's the a idea group of the rioters of really it, bad and, actors you know, that travel around behind, yeah. between all of these places, right? Which is why you see when when things flare up in in. In uh, Louisville, they they kind of fizzle out in, in other places. I don't know if this is true, but that's I've seen that reported, right? Because it's basically the same two, three hundred people that are traveling around and just burning stuff up. Because well, I it. think that's a really good possibility. Um, and I saw some evidence that they did that back in the '60s um, when there was going to mm-hmm. be protests uh, right. when the when the um, civil rights movement started. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing. They would send people right. in to turn that protest into a riot, and it would work every right. time. And I've seen, I mean, personally, I've seen on the streets of L.A., I have seen this, where the police created a riot, um, where they started firing tear gas into a peaceful crowd in order to stir it up and make it look bad on the news. Because the minute you really? fire tear oh, yeah. It, was, it, but mean, was it in order to, or was it because, like... They, it wasn't legal, and they they were under orders to break it up because it was disturbing order in the city. Like, do we know the motivation, or do we? Well, they know? were. They we don't know the motivation. We literally do not know. They were trying to break yeah. up the crowd. It was a. It was a. It was really not even a protest. It was people gathered outside the Democratic convention listening mm-hmm. to a rock band. They okay. cut off every exit except one, and mm-hmm. they said everyone disperse. And when they started dispersing out of that exit, they started firing tear gas that as if there was, yeah. it was completely so, I mean, nuts. But it, so one of my so I know key things is, uh, yeah, <laughs> one of, one of my key things in that whole, uh, and we can get into the whole vision behind the conscious uh, nation building, all that stuff, but is for question what we think is, we know is true. Right. So mm-hmm. maybe, a, yeah, maybe th- this whole rioting thing is a like undercover CIA operation? Like it's it's possible, right? That that it's that it's something that the government is doing to stir up something to because there's something that they want to achieve, or like it's China intervening, or it's like George Soros, the big monster, or like whatever, right? But it's like we don't it's we don't know 
no. what the reality is. And we don't know if the government is telling us the truth. Well, usually it's not telling us too much of the truth. Usually it takes a few days <laughs> for that story to come out, uh, or right. months, well, or and years. Even like, what is it, JFK <laughs> files are still classified, right? It's like, right. Right. Right, yeah. right. No, I know what you're saying. And um, whether, it, I mean... There's all these. I heard someone who who like who was talking uh, someone on the right who was talking about the the Charlottesville thing with the tiki torches and all that stuff. He's like, I've never seen any demonstrators, any Nazis, neo neo Nazis, white supremacists, anywhere else look like that. They were all dressed the same way with these like weird ass garden tiki torches, and I've never seen it before or since ever like that. It was just too weird. He was like. I think this is a CIA undercover thing. <laughs> that was it's, his thing. I it's so bizarre. I no idea, right? Yeah, I, there was the same thing in Seattle and Portland, the same kind of thing. People in pure black showed up with umbrellas to block tear gas and right. started <laughs> causing trouble. And, you know, no one knew who they were. They, they weren't right. part of any any group that was organized for the, right. you know, for the protest, for the purpose. Yeah, that... Completely yeah. nuts, and I—it's like, okay, is it those people causing it every night, or is it just people who, you know, maybe they're a little too cranked up on whatever they've been taking that day, and they see a crowd and they think, let me, let, this is fun, let's go crazy." Yeah. I mean, I, I always wonder that too. Is it—is it just people think, who are honestly, driven to I the mean, edge? I think a, a, a reasonable proposition is that um, at, that we. Most politicians in the U.S. and corporations have been bought, and and academic institutions seem to have been bought by China at this point, by specifically by the Chinese Communist Party. So I don't think it's an unreasonable assertion or or, or hypothesis that there is a lot of Chinese money and influence behind keeping the United States aflame to. A kind of like help just destabilize the country from the inside and avoid Trump getting reelected because he's the only politician that there is, quote unquote politician, that is actually actively standing up to China. Right? If Biden wins, he's going to be in China's pocket. I think, given his son's involvement and all that stuff. Right? Plus, his like forty-seven years in government. So. I don't know if that's the case, but it's not an unreasonable proposition to make. Oh, it's not. It's not. I um, have you seen the Social Dilemma at all? I have you not. That movie? No, because like I I don't have Netflix at the time, but I oh, okay. Keep well, about it, so I should probably. I don't want to be an watching? It's really. It's definitely worth watching. It um, it's very eye opening. It's people from mm -hmm. in well, especially you working in the tech world. Um. It's people from inside all the big social network companies talking about AI, really, talking about how they use AI and how um, out of control it is and how they may have, um, they may be inflaming this stuff because of the way their AI works. You know, they really want to, mm -hmm. whatever post gets popular, that's what posts people are going to see more of. Uh, obviously, you know this stuff. But yeah. because of how it works, they may it may have accidentally... Um, contributed to a lot of what's going on a lot right. of what's going on not necessarily um i mean they're definitely not counting out the influence from russia and china and who knows what other foreign uh 
mm-hmm. nationalities, but they Denmark. even point. I think it's Denmark. They're meddling it, in the Denmark. US election. It's Sweden. Exactly. It's those Canadians. It's those Canadians. See, they closed their border. They're the only ones that did. Only smart people. Exactly. Uh, so, um, yeah, but who knows? I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned and, before, because you were okay. we were talking about guns, and, and you were saying, like, it sounded like you see Trump as a dictator or would-be dictator. So I'm curious, like, what, what, what do you see? What's your evidence there? What is it you're noticing? Uh, that he's doing everything a dictator would do. He's the first okay. person. He is trying to block the vote. Okay, and if you deny that, uh, I don't know what you're watching. He's trying to block the vote. He's trying to convince people that their vote doesn't count because the mail doesn't work. Wait, no, no, seen him say that. You haven't seen him say that. I've I've seen him say that. Okay, I guess we're watching different clips. Mail-in balloting is, you know, is um, likely to be very. It's it's very easy to make fraudulent, right? It's okay. Here's the problem with that. There's no evidence there. Yes, it is. It's very easy to commit fraud with computer voting. It's very easy to commit fraud with any type of voting. But in America, there's never been a case of that. The case of fraud with mail-in voting is minuscule. It is minuscule. But so so we can. I mean, let's let's drill it down. So, but your evidence that Trump is a dictator is that he's concerned about mailing voting. That is not the only evidence. What's okay, I mean, we're all wa- we're what's all watching. What's your best piece of evidence that he's a dictator or want to be one? My best piece of evidence, uh, really, is that he's admitted that he wouldn't necessarily leave office. There's one. Okay, he's he's now admitted on camera that he he's not he would not necessarily leave office peacefully. Okay, so I mean, so interesting, yeah. Um, what and what do you take that to mean? And how what what would he do specifically? Like how would he accomplish that in your mind? That's a good question. It it I don't it does, I'm not saying he's a successful dictator. I'm saying that he <laughs> wants to be a dictator. <laughs> I'm I'm saying I'm not saying that he's he's going to be successful at that. I'm saying so that this is that what all. he wants. And this is so weird. This is what I find fascinating. Right? Is that that you have two eyes and two ears, right? And I have two eyes and two ears. And, and so regard, and we have different uh, belief systems, different filters. So regardless, we're going to see different things, right? And so one of the things that I think is so important for us to move forward is that, you know, I want to hear about what you see and what you hear and what, how you perceive things, right? And then I can share what I see and how I perceive things. And then together we can we can make a more complete picture, right? Versus like, um, just like, this is the way I see it, and that's correct. And then it's like end of story, right? So I love, I love hearing about that. So, but it's my podcast. This is how I see it. And I'm correct. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is, I think this is why uh, the show you mentioned earlier, the Joe Rogan show, who some of his guests uh, I can't stand watching. I think that's one of the reasons it's so successful. Right. Because he so, is able to talk to anyone where I, I'm yeah. getting, I'll get there one day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So go ahead. So, so, what, I, so what I hear uh, is, is a, a president that says, I believe that, the, that mail-in voting is going to be very fraudulent. 
Um, and um, I've, I have seen, like, I mean, I haven't been out there in person, right? But I have seen evidence there has been uh, fraud. We've never tried mail-in voting at this scale before, right? So saying just because it hasn't happened in the past doesn't mean that it wouldn't happen this time, just from a logical perspective, right? I'm not, that's just like, it's not, that's not a proof that it wouldn't happen this time just because it hasn't happened. Um, I think the, I think it is something to be concerned about and, and maybe there, there are ways that we can make that sure that that doesn't happen. But I think it's a super valid concern about the fraudulent nature that it's like, you know, you can go and collect ballots. Um, like they can get lost. It's just, it's, there's, um, a lot more room for for error and fraud in mail-in voting than when there's voting in person. I'm a huge, I have huge problems with computerized voting machines that don't have a paper trail. That's something like 20 years ago, I was like, really, maybe that's, I'm exaggerating, like 15, 15 years ago, like there was these, um, what's that company that, Diebold or something like that, that made voting machines and there was like some suspicious things with the people who wrote the software. So I'm a software guy, right? I'm like, if you're going to do voting by computer, the software and every piece of it needs to be open source. So everybody can ex- inspect the code, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be a paper trail so that you can go back and you can verify this is what I voted for. This is what my piece of paper says. I'm going to submit that there and we can go back and count them. That, that that to me should be a, a, a minimal and, and that's, I don't think that that's happened yet. So um, I'm with you on that, but I think it's a valid concern with, with um, mailing voting as a, as a thing that could be fraudulent. There's, you know. So here's um, the, here's the real problem I have with it is that mm-hmm. it is, there's no evidence that it's a valid concern to say it might I, be I because is, we though. have, no, I think well, there is, there's been, there's been. There's like, not. Did you see the Project Veritas thing that came out this week? It, it's Veritas. already been proven that none of that is true. That none of that's it, true. Yes, it, it's seen, been. Well, yeah. Every wait, 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 every wait. instance of mail fraud has been shown to be either an accident of the st- of what's happening this year. Every incident that they've talked about and that the president talked about has been shown to be either an accident or just not true. Just it just. It never really happened. So, okay, so you're saying the plus, but thing we, you have to realize it or what? No, no I'm, I'm serious. Like, I, I, I want to know. So, are you saying the Project Veritas thing with Ilhan Omar and, and that stuff that that didn't happen or it was proven? And what do you mean proven? Well, what is? Um, I guess I'm I'm out of my league here. I don't know what you're talking about with the Project Veritas oh, okay. thing. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep. I think that this is being put out there. This is another thing that I think um, is a sign of dictatorship. This fear of the vote is being put out there on purpose by the head of our country in order to interfere with the vote. If you have people standing over you to guard you to say, we're guarding you to vote, that will discourage people from voting, especially people who don't understand. That scares people. So the more you put fear... What's that? Are you talking about poll watchers now? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Paul, I mean, also, you have to understand, I come from a state that's been voting by mail for years. Right. And our, and our, um, our voter turnout is higher than the rest of the nation. And right. our voter, there's really no evidence of voter fraud that, that's enough to, 
to even be a blip on the radar, right? right? It, it's I mean, really and low. That, and every ballot and is counted the, in person. I mean, every ballot is open. But this is my state. And I do understand right. what you're saying is that there's no laws that cover every state, which I think is a right. problem. And it, yeah, I mean, so again, I haven't spent that much time digging digging into this, but but I have like ballot harvesting is a word that I keep hearing. I don't know whether that's a thing to what extent it's a thing, right? Um, but it seems evident, self-evident to me that there's more room for fraud when it comes to uh, voting by mail than if you require people to vote in person. Um, okay, but this is, is what I think is being put out there to to keep people from to make people nervous about voting. I don't see that that's true. Uh, right. There, I just don't see any evidence of that, uh, any real evidence, especially coming from a state that has voted by mail. But again, so, I do so concede if, so if that it's a new thing. It's it's new, right. right? Well, so to me, the 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 right thing to do would be to say, "Hey, I hear that this is a big concern for Trump, the Republican Party, people on the right, whatnot." Right? And then let's work together to really address it because election integrity is something that we should all be really concerned about. Right? That's something that we all want. Um, and that I I see a lot of like poo-pooing and like, like, that's not true. And like, no, that's overblown and blah, blah, blah. Right. We should be like, all right, we need to solve this. Let's really, really solve this. Well, um, that I'm not seeing evidence of. Okay. Well, that's an interesting point of view. Um, from my side of the aisle, yeah. what I'm seeing is what well, there's nothing to solve. I mean, that's what I keep hearing from people that I completely trust. People in government, people who used to be in government, people who handle the vote, uh, you know, senators, judges, everyone involved with voting that's been involved for a long, long time uh, is saying that the voter fraud in America is really, really low. It, like, it's not mm -hmm. a real problem. So it's, it's like trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. It's like trying to solve white, um, racism we've against also whites. also never it's, had it doesn't an exist. election quite this contentious. This, and, well, we've never had an election unproven, like, like this. Unproven. Uh, we've uh, had an election this contentious. I, do, I completely disagree with that. Uh, that's something okay. I think Americans forget. They... Um, as much as I, I think that this is that blown up more because of me because we have so much media now, you know mm -hmm. we didn't used to have so much media. But if you look back in the history of America, we've had elections like this. We've had right. crazy, you know, content, <laughs> oh. contentious elections. Even in the last fifty years, um, we had one four years ago. Uh, it was you know, really contentious. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very similar. Very similar. Yeah. Um, and yeah. very similar with how the Democratic candidate was picked. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'll, say, I'll say that, too. I don't agree with... I completely understand what you were talking about with the Democrats and how they push out um, possible candidates and how money rules. Um, I don't think Biden was got there, you know, uh, fairly. At all. Um, I, I think that everyone else was pushed aside. And um, I've heard a lot of people say, well, Biden's the best choice. Bernie, it's like, right? Biden's the best choice. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. What's that? Yeah. I think they got scared that Bernie was doing so well. They were like, right. they're going to run an yeah. actual commie as their as their. I'm a, I'm a Bernie backer. And uh, yeah. yeah. And an, I mean, <laughs> an actual commie. Yeah. 
that whole the whole uh, labeling everything communist that is a democratic idea is also pretty crazy to me because uh, oh, communism no, I mean, and democracy are nothing alike and yeah no but the, no but here's the thing is is like yeah um like are you saying that that Bernie is not communist. Is that what you're saying? Or like, what? what is it? Is he socialist? Uh, or what are we talking about? He's he's socialist more. He's a democratic socialist. So he believes right. in democracy. That means you vote for what we're going to do. Uh, it's the same kind of thing. I think there's a big disagreement with how we should run the but government. They, they, vote in, they vote in Russia too, right? They every, and they vote in China, I believe. Like, yeah, they, they do. But they don't those, have a lot of choices. <laughs> they don't have a lot of choices. And from what I understand, I'm, I'm not a political... Uh, analyst, I usually don't talk politics on the show, but I have to tell you, <laughs> I'm really enjoying our conversation. So uh, I, I hope that's okay. It's uh, the reason I avoid talking politics is because I'm not a talking head. Like I don't, I don't study politics. I'm just coming no. from a you know a layman's point it, of view. But, that's what makes it interesting you know, to me. Right? Yeah, anyway. good. Yeah, I, I'm finding it very interesting. And um, yeah. I mean, my next question would be from a spiritual point of view. Uh, how you know? How do you sort of? Uh, how important is it? <laughs> how is important it, is politics? Or? Yeah, is politics. So the way I, uh, in other words, how? Because uh, it seems like it always seems like it's going to make such a big difference in our lives, and and yeah. uh, you know, no, how I, important I is it? Agree. I think it's. I mean, I think it's not the 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 the. Um, the way I look at it is like, I, I am the master, the creator in my own life, right? Like, mm -hmm. what is it I want to create? And I get busy working on that. And yeah, it's going to interface with the government to some extent, but it's, it's fairly limited. And then you just work around whatever that is. Um, I, the way I look at it is everything is exactly as it should be, right? The world is perfect just as it is. It doesn't need me to come and fix it. It's not broken. It's just there is a higher intelligence that knows exactly what it's doing, and it's all going to be just fine. Um, in fact, it is just fine, right? So um, that's kind of how I look at it. And so from that perspective, I'm not scared of this, that, and the other thing happening or like terrified or like horrified or like offended or <laughs> any of that stuff. To me, it's entertaining. And it's like an intellectual exercise. Hey, what's going on? I'm super curious about like, you know, how you perceive the world and I perceive the world in a different way. And I, I shift it, right? So like over the past two years, I have shifted my perspective because I started uh, uh, deliberately listening to sources that I disagree with. And I realized that they had a lot of good points that started to make a lot of sense to me, right? So, but spiritually, yeah. Um, no, like my, my spirituality informs my politics, right? So if I know that we have, so I believe with our minds, you know, we can, we can create, you know, not specifically and exactly and in detail what we want, but, but if I put my mind to it, I can build my body up to be strong and healthy and, you know, and mm -hmm. I can create a business and I can start a family and I can, you know, uh, do create the life for myself that I want. And I believe that we all have that ability and so we don't need the government to take care of a lot of basic things in our lives because we're perfectly capable of doing that and so 
what is the what does the government look like that takes that into account and just provides the what's needed to what it needs to do and nothing nothing else really no that's nice no that <laughs> i i agree i'm uh i try to think that way i mean that that's i understand that that's reality you know, somewhere deep in my mind, I've I've had I've uh, as a spiritual awakening. It's uh, many many years ago, um, but I get I get sucked back into this um, physical world. I guess you would say, and and it seems so. Uh, I'm not really terrified of things, um, but I'm starting to worry about actual civil war. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things in the social network that they talked about was oh. If there's a civil war, it was probably accidentally started by AI. And, I, and it's right. like, okay, the way they explain it, mm-hmm. that totally makes sense. It's like mm-hmm. certain people want to see certain things. And uh, I mean, the really weird thing about social media and actually all the, pla- all the media platforms is that hate sells. Like hate is what people, uh, um, anger, hate, uh, you know, um, um, bullying, those kind of things get more clicks. Mm-hmm. They get more clicks from people. Um, so that uh, that's a very strange thing to know. It's a strange thing to hear. Uh, and I see it day to day. Like I've tried to, since watching that show, I've actually tried to back off from different types of media. Um, but the, I don't know what I can do about the rest of the world. I mean, the fact that and I don't uh, think we need to, right? If we, yeah. like, you know, oh, there Joseph you go. Campbell, follow your bliss, right? Like if mm-hmm. you're happy, if you're fulfilled, if you know your life purpose and you're living your purpose every day, that's the best thing that you can do for the world, right? Because that's going to ripple out. That's going to ripple out from you to your, you know, your family, your friends, and, and it's going to inspire other people to do the same. That's really the best thing that we can, that we can possibly do. Uh, absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, so, so many big... people feel terrible in the, their own lives, and then so then they're super busy fixing other people's lives, right? Right. Fix right. your own. Fix your right. own shit. Right. <laughs> and how did you how did you come to to this realization? Because I know there's a long story here. Now that <laughs> now that we've gotten through the political side, the part the other part I really want to know about is uh, um, spiritual entrepreneurship. And and like you know, going down that path and and um, realizing that that's that's the truth. I I actually do you ever listen to? Um, oh, now I forget the name. Never mind. Um, but the idea that yes, we create our own reality and we create we can create anything we want in our life. And um, yeah, how, yeah. How so, did they get into that? Um, so I, it was. I think it's been an on and off thing for me. I, I mm-hmm. was. A, um, fairly spiritually attuned, not fairly, very spiritually attuned kid, um, but then um, shut it down at some point in my sort of, I guess, early teens or late, late ones or whatever they're called. Um, <laughs> and, and didn't pick it back up really until I was in my early 30s and just, you know, life crisis, um, like really in a bad place in my life. And, um, and started to do 
therapy started to you know do coaching body therapy other things and like through that process really discovered who i was i had no idea who i was mm -hmm. i had no idea um i thought i was this like very analytical like smart left brain brainy guy i'm still like smart and all that stuff right but but i thought that was who i was like this like programmer just like got all answers right i still have that sign in me and it's very well developed but there's this entire other part of me and like at heart i'm a very intuitive person i'm a very emotional person um and that was not active at all and so my process was um you know five years of really doing a lot of work because i was in pain because i was i was in so much pain inside and that led me to one of the things i did was work with a spiritual teacher mm -hmm. he's someone who had he's friends with eckhart tolle and sort of out of that school it was very it's interesting so he lived in encinitas and i lived in copenhagen over in denmark and we would we would get on the phone same time every week i didn't see him at all he was just this disembodied voice on, on the other line of the phone, oh wow uh -huh. actual phone uh -huh. call um and then he would be like ah so close your eyes and take a couple of deep breaths and like what are you what are you noticing in your body and i'd be like hmm i'm noticing this like tension up here and he'd be like all right tune into that tension what is that about what is there and then like huh it feels like uh, something rather and he's like mm -hmm. oh okay like see if some moment comes up and then we go on these like inner journeys and it was like really really fascinating he gave me some books to read and he taught me about conditioning and you know how all that stuff works and so after working with him for a while and you know i study i love reading and you know studying and you know learning things I had a moment where I sat down and it was, it was, I was working as a software developer freelance at that point. I had a software consulting firm. We had grown it to 13 people. And then I kind of burned out on, you know, having to keep selling more gigs to big companies so that mm -hmm. I could pay the you know salaries for people and all that. So I just scaled it back to it was just being me. And, and, complete crisis or crazy we had my wife and my and i had just bought a house that we couldn't afford because there was some technicality that made it like the mortgage 3x more expensive than we had planned for oh no it's a big deal and um we had our second child and he just wouldn't sleep and we'd sold our apartment and lived a month with my dad and we couldn't stand it anymore. So I finally moved into the house, but it wasn't done yet. And, um, all that crap. And so, and then I had all these contracts for work and they all just fell through. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, is this the universe trying to tell me that it's time for me to find out what I'm here to do? And I was like, okay, let me do that. And so I sat down ask myself a bunch of questions and then it just landed for me. I'm here to integrate entrepreneurship and spirituality. And it was a similar kind of moment of like, I could just, it just, it was there. It was so clear to me. It was a complete picture. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? And started sort of developing that and investigating that. And I mean, what it means for me is that, I know what my purpose in life is and that what I do for business, the entrepreneurship that I do is directly aligned to that. Right. 
like why would we do it if it's not it means that i know that i'm not here i'm not in business to make money i'm here to learn to love more to open my heart and share the love and the creativity that's in me with other people that it can touch. That's what it's about. The business is just a vehicle. The money is just a tool to help me do that. But that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. It means questioning my beliefs because my beliefs are, you know, will shape my reality, my perception, my actions, my behavior. And, and, my, and beliefs that are not true and helpful are going to keep me in a prison and it's going right, to keep my right. heart closed and my mind closed and keep me from, from serving humanity, serving my audience, serving my people in the best way possible. It means um, learning to handle my emotions, right? That was one of the things that my spiritual teacher taught me is like, you know, we have these feelings and whenever we get triggered and this happens, you know, for entrepreneurs all the time, right? We get triggered by something emotionally, like the emotional roller coaster. It happens in politics all the time that people get triggered, right? Whenever we get triggered. No, in really, politics? It, what? No, it's crazy. People, people are, what? I don't. I, yeah. I, I just hmm. put you that. You think politicians take advantage of that? <laughs> <laughs> and yes. every time we get yes. triggered, it's never about the situation in the present moment. It's always because something about it reminded us of some unprocessed trauma from the past, some situation in the past where we felt some really, something really strongly and we weren't able to deal with it in the moment. And so we buried it. And so that's why the beautiful thing is every time we get triggered, it's an invitation to, to just be like, okay, I know this is not about the current moment. I know this is not about Trump or Biden or Chris Wallace or like this tweet or like whatever it is, it's not about that. Let me go back, tune in. What is the earliest memory I can remember that, that has that same feeling to it, the same tonality to it, right? Or like just whatever moment comes up. And then, so my spiritual teacher taught me this time travel technique, which is amazing. I don't know if you know, but uh, um, if you, you, you've probably done something similar, but here's how it works. So whatever moment situation comes up, right? Maybe it's like Calvin, six years old, like I was at home, dad comes in and he yells at me for something I didn't do. And like, I'm terrified. And like, and so what I do is like, I freeze the frame in my mind right there. Then Calvin today, 46 years old, steps into that frame, sits with six-year-old Calvin and is like, hey, I can't change what happens. That's the rule, right? Mm -hmm. I can freeze mm -hmm. time. I can go in and say, hey, dude, Here's, I, I got your back. Here's what's going to happen. Your dad's going to come in. He's going to yell at you. All this thing's going to happen. You're, you're going to, he's going to think it's about you. It's not you and I, we both know it wasn't you. I got you big hug. Maybe you don't need to say anything like whatever that boy needs in that moment. You step in, you let the situation unroll. You go in and you help him after you're like, Hey, I just want you to know everything's going to be fine. You'll be fine. It's going to be okay. Right. And so you do that. And then that just, that old emotion just, leaves your system right and you do that enough you do that every time this stuff comes up and you end up being able to live in a pretty clear place and stuff just doesn't trigger you a lot anymore right the gift of being triggered is that it points you to those things so if you keep getting triggered in the same ways over and over again is life saying hey what do you say we take care of this this time right so i love oh, right. when i love getting triggered i love when when 
that it's a beautiful, it's an invitation, right, to, uh -huh. to heal. So when your computer is not doing what it's supposed to do, that's that's a good place. Now we're happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, and I had it happen. I had it happen where like I was getting attacked because of my political views. I was getting attacked from some customers and like people were starting to call me racist and bigot and all these things. And it was it was challenging. And so I did this and I was like, oh, yes, this is like, I forget like what age exactly, but I remember that feeling of being feeling so misunderstood and so misrepresented and mischaracterized and like so unfairly treated and the anger and like kind of like that little boy, he wanted to punch someone. Right. And so being able to just like, Hey, like, I don't need to like, yeah, back at people or like verbally or otherwise punch back at anyone. Like this has nothing to do with them. This is me inside do that and you know let it go so i was glad that happened i'm super glad that happened because it that's been a thing in my life that that i hadn't dealt with before so mm -hmm. great thank well, you well i hoped with me uh, pushing my political views out that i didn't seem like i was attacking you so oh no uh, not at all I, no this has been lovely i love this this is phenomenal right. yeah. this is good um i yeah, have yeah. two i have a couple of questions for you one how did you pronounce eckhart's name again eckhart tola Tola. I've always been confused about how that's pronounced. Yeah. It's someone I listen I to a lot, a, a yeah. lot. Uh, another person <laughs> yeah. I've been listening to, are you familiar with Abraham Hicks? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've listened Esther. to her quite a bit too. Esther, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, just, just, I don't know. I've been trying to learn from those two, from Eckhart for years, years and yeah. years. Uh, I really like his energy. His, is, yeah. And it's pretty much right along what you're talking about. It's not going as deep. But my other question is, and this is an odd one. I have I have one I, that that yeah. where she talks. Abraham talks about some of these things. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a um, oh see, yeah. I have it here in my audible. It she, sounded very. This... It sounded very familiar. The stuff you're saying. Yes. Right. Uh, Co-creating at its best. Uh, it's with Wayne Dyer. Here we go. So it's like an hour and 20 minutes. I think you might enjoy that. So let's see. Is, is it going to do that? That's what that looks like on Audible. Nice. Well, I will um, also link that in the description. Yeah. Because it's good. I like it. It's great. Um, and she talks about some of these things like when you keep focusing on what you don't want, which we what we do in politics all the freaking time, what do you get? You get more of what you don't want, right? Another yeah. life-changing thing for me. I don't. Are you familiar with the Cartman drama drama triangle? Uh, I'm not. Oh, the dude, this is like 98% of politics. It's 98% of the world in general. So there are three roles. There's the victim. The victim says, "Why me? Poor me. I can't. Like, why can't I? This is because I. Mm -hmm. I, I, I live there. I used to live there uh, most of my life. Like." Oh, if only my parents had loved me better or more differently. If only I'd grown up in America. If only I'd had better, better friends or I hadn't been bullied in school, blah, 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 blah. Then mm -hmm. I, I would be happy. Then I would be successful, right? Um, that's the victim. The problem with the victim is, right, what do I need to do when I'm in victim? I need to stay unhappy and unsuccessful. Otherwise, you won't be the victim. Otherwise, exactly. <laughs> otherwise, I've proven that it was a lie the whole freaking time. Right, right. It was always yeah. a freaking lie, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I literally had it this way. Like, you know, if I was like sitting, I was like in my own while I was doing my own thing. I was like super happy. My wife comes in. She's like, oh, you're really happy today. Boom, I would go unhappy. 
Like I could be happy wow. as long as I wasn't aware of it. Once you may be consciously aware of it, I would go unhappy just automatically. Right. Um, so I was very committed. I was very committed. To this. <laughs> and most people are. And so, and then the other two roles are if you're a victim, what else do we need? Well, there needs to be a villain, right? It could be, you know, another person. It could be the weather, the government, the system, the whatever. Someone needs to have, you know, be to blame, right? Here we like to use and the then, weather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and then you have the third role, which is the hero. So the hero is the person that is like, oh, yes, poor you. you. You're right. Yes, you really are a victim. You really are oppressed. You really were like, this is like bad, bad villain, bad villain. Let me help you, right? So the hero does something that it feels like they're doing something good. But what they are actually doing is they're keeping people stuck in their victim role, right? They're reinforcing the victim role. And so they're actually making it worse. And what they get out of it is temporary relief. They kind of feel like crap, but if I focus over there on you and help fix you, then I don't have to feel how shitty I feel. This is, is like 98% of what's I've, going on in the world. Well, yeah, and I, I've felt that way about um, some types of psychology at, at times. Not, oh, for sure. Not, not Therapists all, but do this all the time, right? Yeah, they, I just immediately want... that popped into my head. Yeah, Therapist. Absolutely. Therapy. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. They get, I, what was it? I forget. Oh, yeah. Ramdas, he talks about like doing openly, like that's what he did when he was in, you know, was he, when he was a therapist. He was like, you know, because like, well, I can be the wise guy and like, oh, yeah, you and your little problems. And if I fix them, then you don't come back, right? I want to have a thriving business clinical practice here. So right, you know, I got to right. keep you, you know, <laughs> having the problems. But the, the important thing to realize is that when you are in victim, you, what you want is unsolvable problems. So if someone is being a victim, there is nothing that you can do for them before they've stepped out of victim. So that what you need to do is the, if you're the victim, if you catch yourself being the victim, and we do that, and I catch myself being the victim all the time, what you need to do is you step out of that role into being the creator. The creator says, what do I want? And what are the things I can do to get there, right? And you take responsibility for that. That's the way out of, out of the victim. And that's, that step needs to happen and no one can do it for you. However, I can challenge you to do it. So the villain, when you're being cast as a villain, you can step into being the challenger and say, nope, like you are just being a victim now and I love you and I support you, but you have to step out of this and you have to take responsibility for this and you have to do it, right? You, you're the one that has to do this. I can, I can encourage you, I can support you. Or the hero can become the coach and says, no, you have the, you have the resources. I'll be happy to guide you. I'll be happy to support you, but again like you have to you have to want it you have to do the work right that's what's always uh been uh i guess tough for me or lately i shouldn't say always uh i knew what i wanted at one time but actually knowing what you want like you seem oh, to yeah. have such a clear vision of your vision and mm -hmm. um not everyone does how do you know what's what are some ideas for for getting that clarity. I mean, you got it through tragedy, and I've heard that a lot. I've actually heard two right. stories. I've heard the Eckhart Tolle, which is, hey, it just came to me. You know, I'm sitting on a bench, suddenly the world's mm -hmm. the world. And I've heard people right. in deep, deep 
sorrow basically come to it. So well, for uh, me, it was kind of it was kind of both, right? But it, it took a lot of work. So the way I look at it is is we have to we have to first um, get rid ourselves of all the crap baggage that we get with us from our upbringing, right? So our conditioning, as they call it, our beliefs. We have to. I went through a, a, a phase where for three months I was like. Every single belief that I realized I had about anything, I'd write it down and question it, write it down and question it, right? Like thousands of beliefs I wrote down and questioned. So we have to get rid of that baggage that we got from our parents, from our school, from our media, from our upbringing, from just how we've always done, from our culture, whatever, and question those things, right? Similarly, with the emotional side of things, like I like to think of it as these like reservoirs of old unprocessed emotion that lives inside or like physically lives inside our bodies, which is why I love, by the way, body therapy. Um, there's a system over in Denmark that, I, that I've worked with called body SDS. And so they can actually literally push your bodies in certain ways. And like, you start crying, like, cause it like oh, wow. literally that old trauma emotion gets stored in our muscles as tension, which is why most of us are very tense. It's literally I'm, tension. I'm really familiar with that because I've had years of chronic pain. And, you know, yeah. somewhere inside me, I know that's true. I've, I've tried just about everything. It, it right. slowly has gotten better. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, understand, I totally understand. <laughs> we all right. have tension. And so our in intuition th th is the part of us that would know what we're here to do and have that clarity around what we want. But in, our intuition speaks to us through our feelings. So if we have like all this unprocessed emotional stuff, we can't, we can't feel ourselves. So for me, that was a five-year period from 2003 to 2008 was of like getting rid of all this junk, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't like it stopped there, but, but it took me five years. So what happened was in 2003, I had started my software company. Uh, first one, I was doing really great. And, um, and I called an advisory board meeting with five really smart people, sit there for, for three hours and, and strategize. And then, I, you know, it's at my house and I bring, bring out some beer, we kick back. And then one of the guys looks me straight in the eyes and he says, dude, we've been here for three hours and I still don't know what you want. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? I just want to be successful. Just tell me how to be successful. <laughs> right? Uh -huh. right. And, right. but there's also that part of me that was like, I didn't know that in business I was allowed to want anything. I didn't realize that. That was news to me. It was like so confusing to me that he would even ask that. And then I was like, I have no idea. I don't know what I want. And it was like, in that moment, it just, it just sat there. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I was like, uh, okay. But it just stayed with me and it opened sort of that gap in my consciousness where I started to get really curious about like, what do I want? Why don't I know what I want? How would I know what I want? Mm -hmm. And that was, mm -hmm. that was, that was a, a large part of what led me into doing therapy and coaching and body therapy and all these things. And, and my spiritual teacher to finally answer that question. And then I found that um, when I finally did sit down and it, it sort of came to me, right. Um, what I realized after was that I had been trying to escape knowing. Because I think we actually kind of know, right? There's a part of us that knows. 
There's that little voice inside. You don't have to go through like years and years of, I think it's possible to like that we just know, right? Flash of insight, little voice inside, intuition, whatever. But, um, but what I found was that I had three super weird, but very specific fears, the unconscious, right? I didn't realize them until after. Number one was there's nothing. I have no purpose, no passion. There's nothing for me when whoever deity made me, eh, it's a lemon, right? <laughs> Screwed up, forgot to give him one. Sorry. No, that happened. <laughs> that was terrifying to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other one was that it was, there was something, but it was going to take me like 10 years to find it. Like, who cares? I was like, you know, early 30s, like, oh my God, in 10 years, I'm going to be practically dead, right? Oh no. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's what you think in your early 30s. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> And then uh, I later learned uh, from Gay Hendricks, if you know him, he's like, like, sidebar, but on my 40th birthday, I was actually super depressed. And so I emailed him and I was like, I was like wailing. I was like, wah, wah, wah. like I'm feeling like killing myself. He's like, don't do it. Life only really gets good after the 40. Hang in there, man. Like, really, <laughs> really easy. And that's been so true for me. It's only like, it's just been freaking fantastic after 40. Before 40, eh, uh, not so much. But after, fuck yeah. Anyway, number three was that I would find my purpose sort of in time, but I, I would hate it. I wouldn't like it. Right? So, like, like your purpose is to be a neo Nazi. <laughs> uh oh. Right. No, I was exactly right. That was no, my what I was scared of was that I was going to be some healer type, like some soft, oh, I see, heart forward, softy healer, uh -huh. blah blah, like some cry baby, someone who would actually like cry when sitting cross legged on a pillow. And, and I mean, <laughs> fuck that crap. I <laughs> like I was ready to vomit, right? And so <laughs> that was my fear. But all this was unconscious, and what I realized when I looked back was that I had. So for me, the big thing was money, fear of not having enough money to pay rent or, you know, get by. And I've always had, I've always been fine, ups and downs, but I've always been fine. I've mm -hmm. always found a way, right? Um, but I was, but money was my trigger. And so what I would do, because I was so scared of looking, was that I would keep manufacturing unconsciously these financial crises so i would like constantly teeter on the end edge of going broke as a way to keep myself from looking right, right. as a way to wow. unconsciously prevent myself from looking for what i'm really here to do so uh -huh. i think a big part of it is that is that you declare that you want to know and maybe that you take ownership for the fact that if you don't want to know there's a part of you that currently doesn't want to know and get curious about what that is. That's a really, that's a really good point. A really good point. Like what part of you doesn't want to know. And uh, mm -hmm. in the mean, I mean, I've read, I don't know who originally said this, probably a lot of spiritual leaders, but there, I've read many times that maybe your purpose is to be here every day, to show up. Absolutely. To look and at I think the that's sun. so true. Exactly you know, right. Like, yeah. I think there's multiple levels to this. And at, at one level, like, yeah, our purpose is to, like, my life purpose right now is to be here with you. Just be fully present with you and have this conversation, right? That's what I'm here to do. Yeah, and for me, uh, it, 
that feels very real um, since I started podcasting. It's right. not something I knew I was going to do exactly. But now, right. uh, especially having conversations like this, it's clear that this is, you know, definitely in this moment, this is my life's purpose. This is, You're great this has got meaning. Can I just add you know, that? Of, you can, yeah. What? Yeah. I, I, I didn't quite hear. No. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you very much yeah. uh, it's something i had no uh clue about i was actually listening to a joe rogan podcast with uh kevin smith and they were saying mm -hmm. how anyone could do this which is total bs no one can do what he does but uh, <laughs> but i thought well i have all this equipment let me just see what this is about and uh, it's mm -hmm. been quite a journey quite a journey yeah. uh, you know it's, meeting people uh, like yourself and uh that i never would have never would have met and and yeah been able to, I mean, to, to be able to spread this, this, these ideas is, uh, it's a gift. Um, you know, I'm really, I feel really privileged to be able to do this, to be able to do yeah. this and have people on, on the podcast. And yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. great. Um, uh, and your company, um, I wanted to ask you about that cause I know nothing about it. Simplero? Yeah. Simplero? Is that Simplero. how you say it? Simplero. Yeah. And what, yes. tell, what is that? Well, so it that, came straight out of that moment of you know, life purpose, integrating into, uh, spirituality and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Because I, what I realized was that that was a thing that solved all of the challenges that I had around entrepreneurship, right? It was just like trying to, like the emotional roller coaster and like getting confused about direction. Like, should I go this way or that way or the other way? And like, and, and just coming up with, ideas in the first place that were actually meaningful and that I cared about and that weren't just like, oh, this could be a good idea kind of thing, or this sounds good on paper, which is something that I saw a lot in the tech world, like people who were like, yeah, this is like a Facebook with a mashup of like this thing and the other. Like, right, sure. Like, like, I can't feel you in this. Like, I don't care. I don't buy it. Right. So I was like, I need to share this with other entrepreneurs. I had like, there were so many levels to it. I also was like, what if like, you know, so the world is facing a lot of challenges, right? Um, and I don't think that politicians are the right, you know, venue to vehicle through which to solve most of these challenges. I don't see NGOs or nonprofits generally being the ones to solve it. I see business. Business is the way to solve these problems. Conscious business, right? If you're, if you're doing business from a perspective of, I'm here to serve the world and making money is what we need to do in order to make, you know, the wheels go around, right? But we're not in business for the purpose of making money because we're human, right? And we're humans. And, and like, we don't, what was the, the, the Whole Foods CEO founder? I forget, isn't John Mackey. He was like, you know, as humans, we wouldn't say, oh, I live so I can eat, right? It's we seem we to be saying that. <laughs> well, no. some, do, some do, right? <laughs> but yes, yeah, but we we eat yes. so that we have energy to do what we're here to do, right? That's the mm -hmm. healthy way. Same, right. same similar thing right. with the business. Business needs to make money and make a profit so that it has the resources to accomplish its mission in the world. That's how I like to do business. That's how I want to encourage other people to do business. And the more people that do business that way, the better we can tackle these big problems and solve them. And I see a lot of people doing business that way. I also people see people doing business a different way. Doing business right? a different way. Well, yeah. from what I understand, from what you're saying, what you're describing, this is the way I understand that capitalism 
uh, is design. Like that was the original idea of capitalism. It, it's and, it's yeah. pretty much what you're describing. It, it wasn't right. the idea was not uh, let's rape and pillage and you know <laughs> see what's left <laughs> when we're done. That that's not the idea. The idea of capitalism. Uh, it's uh, from what I know, and I've studied this some and watched documentaries about it. I mean, the original idea is what really what you're saying. It's it's mm-hmm. a you know um, yeah when you have a company, a lot of the a lot of it, it's well all of it should be about giving back to everyone else. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's the idea, instead of just uh, having a place for people to go scream at each other. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely, right. Um, yeah, so I was like, I want to share this with other entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I was just, I was just a, a developer and sort of mediocre entrepreneur. So I was like, well, how do I do that? And so I started searching around these things and I discovered online courses. And I was like, I can do that, right? Because I, I know technology, and I like I yeah, I'm sure I can figure out how to use a camera or something. And so um, I did that, did that for myself, did some online courses around this stuff, and then um, I was like, I can do better software. So I started writing software for myself, started sharing that with others, and that grew into Simplero. So now we're you know customers in 30 countries and 30 some team members um over multiple countries were were fully remote and um helping people do uh you know you know do online courses or workshops or you know memberships and all that type of stuff so basically selling information or coaching Mm -hmm. anything that doesn't need to be shipped and it actually ties in to what we started talking about because after having, I having thought a lot about what's going on in politics and you know the special advisor to the president and all that stuff, the conclusion I've come to is again that the accomplishing the things that we want—safety, health, uh, prosperity, um, um, uh, happiness, healthy planet, planet Earth, and a thriving economy—those are actually fairly easily accomplishable. But we're not, as a people, mature enough to actually get together and achieve that. We're not mentally mature, meaning like we believe whatever, right? We believe things we don't question. <laughs> Literally whatever, yeah. Right? <laughs> we're not emotionally mature. Like we get really emotionally riled up about everything. Right. We, don't, we haven't learned right. how to manage our emotions and, de- and you know, process them effectively. Um, physically, you know, we're immature. Like we're, we don't move. We don't eat well, we don't, you know, take care of our bodies uh, in general and spiritually, right? Like knowing why we're here, our purpose, that sense of, of meaning and co- coherence, co- cohesiveness in the population, like that we, we, we're all humans and we belong together, right? That's lacking. And so if we can, if we can bring that up a notch or two, right, then the other stuff is going to take care of itself pretty much, right? Um, and so, that's where Simplero actually fits into the bigger pictures is, is we like, I can't go on and like coach and work with everyone individually, but I can create a platform where other coaches and spiritual teachers and teachers of all stripes can go and help um, other people in their lives. So I guess basically, you know, help the general population improve their own lives and then the politics is going to be a lot easier that way. Going to be a lot, yeah. I mean, I, my last word on politics is that I, I really think that 
most countries would work a lot better if there was honesty in it. If it wasn't, oh. you know, it, it's not. America seems to be one of the most um, corrupt companies at the moment. But but that's not even. We're not. I mean, when mm -hmm. you really look around the world, there are mm -hmm. there are countries far more corrupt than us. And uh, like the democratic idea, I think is a really good idea. I think the socialist idea is a really good idea. I think uh, I don't know about Marxism so much. Uh, right. You know, totalitarianism probably not a good idea. But there are many right. good ideas in government that I think would work if they were if the people were allowed to be honest in government. And right now, it, it doesn't seem like we have. I mean, I don't even. You know, as much as as passionate as I get about it, mostly yelling at the uh, TV screen, um, <laughs> I don't think it's working right now. You know, I don't think yeah. it's working. I guess the big the big fear, which is unfortunate that so many people are feeling, is that it's going to work even worse. You know, if we mm -hmm. don't do this or we don't do that, and that that's on. I think that's whoever you talk to on whichever side of the aisle. That's and you're mm -hmm. right. They're totally capitalizing on that. You know the. Yeah. The people in government are saying, well, that's great if people feel that way because for some reason that makes it easier for us. But yeah, yeah, that, that's enough about that. <laughs> what, what appeals to you about socialism? I want to know. I'm curious. The idea of everyone taking care of everyone else. Socialism is is the the village idea. It's the idea of, mm -hmm. of we're a village. And, and why... Why would you want the government? Why not have the government stay out of that and then have the village actually take care of the village? Uh, be, well, actually, if you should read this book called um, uh, Sapiens. And the reason that we have government at all, and religion, actually, is because when you get over a thousand people, in order to have them kind of cooperate with each other, you need some kind of structure. Sure. Uh, whether that be a spiritual leader but or... But it doesn't I have mean, to be government. Well, it it doesn't have to be... I would agree it doesn't have to be government in the way it looks now, but I'm not... Uh, I'm also... I like streets. I like the fire department. I like... Oh, sure. Uh, you know, um, no, I'm okay with the police. Um, no, so what is socialism No, but you... you? What, is, what, is, what, is, what is socialism? What, like, what... What um, policies would be socialist to you? What policies? What I yeah. was just saying. What? What? The oh, what? the fact that we make roads for everyone in the U.S. The well, fact that I mean, that uh, we, we capitalists want the government to build roads as well. Oh, right? I'm just and saying that's a socialist idea. Whether whether that's you know capitalism oh. does take advantage of that. That is a socialist idea. The idea of um, everyone having that, being able to have a house is a socialist idea. I agree with that idea. I think the, that the richest country in the world should make it possible for everyone to have the minimum, at least the minimum amount of accommodations. You know, I think the people living on the street is a complete embarrassment for the country. Well, not the country, I shouldn't say that. For the people of the country, for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's a tragedy. Um, so that's another so that's another idea, socialist idea that I I agree, but I don't I think relate socialism is a, is a good way to, to solve that. But that's, you know... Um, and I'm not sure it is either. I'm, you asked me what I thought were socialist ideas, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I'm not yeah. sure it is either. I think that uh, from what I've studied through books, documentaries, etc., I'm not a political scientist, and I think a political scientist would have a better idea of this, but mm -hmm. from what I understand, social, social democracy is what the Constitution was written about. 
that's how they wrote it. The idea right. of everyone has a vote and the country belongs to the people, that's a socialist idea. Um, you know, okay. countries that are being called socialist aren't necessarily. Uh -huh. I mean, so what, you know. so what I see in Denmark, you know, growing up in Denmark, mm -hmm. which is, you know, social democratic, Bernie loves Denmark, all of that stuff, right? Right, um, right. There are definitely advantages, right? Like um, people, people are generally uh, well-educated, you know, well-fed, um, stable, taken care of, more or less. Um, I think a large part of that is down to culture and the fact that it's a super small country and there's a lot of cohesion there um, in society. I think there's a lot of ideas that work in Denmark in that environment that wouldn't scale to, to a country like the United States. Um, oh, well, here's my question. But, this, this is, I hear yeah. this a lot. Why? Um, I mean, why do you believe that? Because it hasn't happened yet? No, I think it's like Denmark is very homogenous. People think the same, listen to the same music, dress the same, look the same. It's it's very homogenous compared to America. Mm -hmm. And there is a there there's a, a a sort of Nordic culture of like punctuality and, you know, correctness like people police each other all the time like if you're in the supermarket and you're standing in line in the wrong way they're going to be like rawr, 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 oh right? wow they're so gonna... everyone's pc there yep yeah and <laughs> like yeah wow um policing each other um we don't it's funny i i met someone in america who had relatives in denmark and she told me how like she moved to denmark and for a year to you know try to try that experience and she was like why doesn't anybody talk to each other when they're like standing in line or waiting or like checking out or anything? Like nobody has a conversation ever. And then she moved back to the US and she's like, why is everybody yapping at me all the time? <laughs> <laughs> the, the opposite. <laughs> Would everyone just shut up? <laughs> <laughs> and I love that about America is that like, you, just, so like funny. you know, you know, wherever you just like, you know, chit chat about stuff when you meet people, it's like a, you know, social thing. But, um, yeah, but there's also a, a lot of stuff that's not so great, like like the homogeneity and and a lot of people like taxes are high and and you know it's I think that's like a quarter of the population that basically makes all the money because the rest like ha over half the population works for the government and then like another another portion is like you know elderly or or young right so the actual workforce is is maybe a quarter of the of the population and they end up paying for everything else and so they're paying through that in taxes and so there's a lot of people that want to leave the country for tax reasons and so they have to be like pretty aggressive about that and but people still leave and it's it's um there's a lot of incentives to abuse the government uh welfare system and to like there's a lot of people like the country is littered with people with a with a major in in history, uh, you know, history degree, and there are no jobs for them. And then they go straight on unemployment, and then they end up working in at the Seven Eleven, right? Because um, education is free, and like their people are just like just choose whatever you're interested in, and they're interested in history, so they study history for six years or five years, and then right. they go on We're, unemployment, right? Yeah, I don't think that's yeah. super healthy. Well, it's smart, right? 
And I under I totally see where it's I mean, there's such different countries, so it's really hard to compare them. It's kind of like when people when they compare Canada to America and the the mm -hmm. policies in Canada. Canada has a lot of problems with with the way they run their country, and yeah. they're and the like a tenth the amount of people. Great. Right. That's what I've heard that quite a bit that the healthcare system, mm -hmm. but the healthcare system here is abysmal. I mean, it's it's oh, uh, yeah. if if you don't have money, you're in big trouble. You're going to die basically. And a lot of I think something that people aren't talking about with the COVID cases. How many people are dying because they don't have money for good care it, mm -hmm. or didn't have? Now they're actually dying way less. The uh, understand the death yeah. rates are going down. The hospitals are figuring it out. But did you see the 6% number? 6%? No, I didn't see that. CDC I, came out and said that of the 200,000 cases, only 6% were actually like straight up COVID deaths. Every single other case, 94% were... Like there were some other complications okay. and COVID was the um, thing that knocked them over. I actually I had was... a, uh, that, that, but that, that's true. That's absolutely true. And I had a doctor, watch John uh, Campbell, John Campbell mm -hmm. on YouTube, write that down, John Campbell. He okay. is a, um, a nurse, a nurse uh, teacher. So he teaches people about medicine all over the world. Uh, he was he worked for years and then in his retirement he does anyway he had this YouTube channel forever since COVID's come up what he does is he disseminates all the information from all over the world and he gives it to you and I he he says mm -hmm. well here's what I'm talking about you know he talks about vitamin D he talks about yes. um, death rates he talks about uh, reported death rates and what might be real death rates. So one of the things he said and I've heard other doctors say this and this I mean I was right on I was on your I had the same idea as you for a long time. That's always been the case. When somebody goes to, to the hospital and they're 97 years old and they die mm -hmm. of influenza, mm -hmm. they're really dying of complications from being 97 yeah. years old and they got influenza. So it's the same sure. thing with COVID. I mean, they did die yeah, because no, they got COVID. But it, I mean, it's true that it's not as dangerous to a lot of the population it's more dangerous in America. I think America's seeing such high death rates because of things like uh, obesity, sure, and yeah. and, and um, diabetes, and yeah. well, we're old. Right. I mean, America's getting really old. Uh, so that that you're right. Absolutely. That's a big. Yeah. But when they come out and say six percent were straight up COVID, that's a interesting. That's an interesting uh, stat. I mean, it's just worth like keeping that in mind when we're looking at the numbers, right? Like, yeah. you know, what are we actually talking about, and who are the people that need to be protected? Anyway, I, this it's is getting true. wrong, man. This okay. is super fun. Like, <laughs> okay. um, I'm, I'm, game to, <laughs> I'm game to do it again at some point if you want to. We can. We can. Uh, I think deeper into some other topics. Yeah, I think that would be nice because I I, I just really enjoyed talking to you. It's been really nice. I'm glad uh, we were able to get to some things. And uh, you're easy to talk to. I want to say I appreciate you having... I always do a little podcast thing in my podcast because that's part of my deal. Um, I appreciate you having earphones, a camera, and a microphone. So anyone out there is going to be on a podcast or do a podcast. Nice. That's why it sounds so good. Yeah. 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 Just keep mine. And the side. only reason that mine is in the shot is because I want to look like a podcaster. You know, there's no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it still works if I put it some, if I could get the shot better. But anyway, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. I will do a quick wrap up here. You've been listening to. Were you still talking? 
This is Joel Albrecht, and on my show today... Oh yeah, okay, let's check that out. Nice. Oh, please send me that. I keep forgetting to do that. On my show today, we've got Calvin Corelli, and uh, it has been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. We've been talking about, we've been solving the world problems and then dropping all that and talking about spirituality in, in the real world. The, the real world, as I like to call it. So, as I always say, as I forget to say, share this if you like it. Share it with someone you love and be good to each other. And especially in these uh, months. And, and for always, be good to yourself. And that's it. All right. That's it. That's and fun, that man. is all. Uh, where's my recording?